Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Riley James. I'm so thankful you're listening. We are at the Big 4-0, episode 40. We have concluded our PodVed19 series, a show that was birthed through the COVID-19 pandemic. I am no longer quarantined in my home. I'm out about doing things, of course, in a very safe manner. So we decided to end PodVed19. I know a lot of the country is still in quarantine and, and will be for a significant amount of time. So uh, T's and P's to the people out there, especially in states like California that are going to have to sacrifice their summer, apparently. However, we do have a great episode for you. Our first non-PodVed19 since episode 33 with Megan Reza. This guy's name is Charlie Hume. And for the OG listeners of this show, that sounds familiar because the first ever guest on this podcast, episode 5 of the previous show, he was the first guest. Uh, he took time for a 16-year-old kid, like I mentioned in the intro. I was just so thankful for it. And, and he did a lot of things besides come on the podcast. I would email him about stuff and, and text him about things. And he was so helpful in every possible way he could. And I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I wanted to get him on, if anyone cares, the new and improved version to kind of show him what we've done with the place. And I'm very excited for you to listen to it. You can follow the show, if anyone cares, underscore on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's exactly the same on both platforms, at Riley James IAC. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, available in all the places. And if you're prompted, please leave five stars and nice comments. As a review, it really does help people find us. And that is all for me. Welcome to episode 40. Hit the music. Online today in Western North Carolina is the first ever guest of If Anyone Cares on the first rendition of the show that we did back in 2017. A man who made time for a 16-year-old comes back on today to make time for a 19-year-old. A producer for Ride On Projects, he produces some of your favorite ESPN shows. Thank you for making time for me today, Mr. Charlie Hume. How you doing, man? Riley, thanks for having me on, man. I'm, you know, a lot of nice things you said. I appreciate all of that. I, uh, you know, this this is a nice little tribute question, like that. I was, I was the first <laughs> one ever. It's a shame it's not still on the internet, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, glad we can catch up again. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, I appreciate your time. I'd like to share just a, a quick little story for context, if if you'd let me. So, when I was uh, a sophomore in high school, I injured my my foot and I was unable to do anything for about maybe 13 months. I literally just sat and watched the Dan Lepitard show every single day when I was 15. So seeing you and be able to reach out to you, get you on the show was such a big deal for me. And it, I love it, man. Very just, cool. Just to give the people who are relatively new to the show some background. <laughs> on, who are on, like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> who is this human being? <laughs> uh, I mean, you work more behind the camera stuff now, so I, yeah, I understand yeah, that. Definitely. I understand how people might not know your name. Yeah, it would surprise me. It's the the other way is the one that surprised me more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we get into a little bit about you, you said you had some car trouble on the way. So you just drove around from Washington D.C. to Western North Carolina. What happened? I did. Yeah. So this is uh, 
it, it was a bit wild. I, you know, I'm not, I'll just say up front, I'm not a car guy by any stretch of the imagination. I was not like, I did not grow up in a family of like handymen where we were learning things and, you know, and, and, and taking out carburetors or, you know, whatever it is the one who works on cars might do. Uh, so we were driving here. My grandparents have a place out in Western North Carolina and we've been in DC obviously since the pandemic began, just, you know, felt like be nice to kind of get out in nature a little bit, relax. Uh, so, so we packed up the car yesterday and it's about a, supposed to be about an eight and a half, eight, eight hour, 45 minute drive. And so we got to, we were in like kind of Southwestern Virginia, about to get into uh, Tennessee, and uh, I have a I have a 2014 Prius, and we started getting this this message on the uh, on the board that or on the you know the display board that was like, hey your your hybrid system is failing or something like that. Pull over the car immediately. I'm thinking like this this can't you know this is I don't know what this is, but I'm sure we can just keep driving through it. So we're driving, and all of a sudden, like the car itself shuts down, like forces us to pull off on the side of the road, which was wild to me. I've never seen a car do that. So, uh, so we're calling around trying to figure this out and we, we, we figured out there's like a, a, a Toyota dealership in Bristol, Tennessee, maybe like a half hour away. Uh, and so we, we, you know, talk to the guy and do a couple things and attempt to, to drive it. We, we had like three or four more instances where the car would just stop itself and, and roll to the side of the road and barely made it into the dealership in Tennessee. Uh, so yeah, we've been told that there is a hole in the radiator and all the coolant leaked out. That sounds like a serious thing to someone who doesn't know much about cars. <laughs> and I was given a loiner, uh, lo- loiner. A, I was given a loaner Toyota Tacoma, uh, and I feel like I might be a truck guy. I feel like I might be a truck guy. That's the early return on that. I'd like in the Toyota Tacoma. The guy who let me borrow it was like, "That's going to cost you forty grand, so don't fall in love." And I feel like I might be falling in love, so I, I gotta, you know. Maybe we'll see if there's a little trade in play I can do with the Prius when I go back, when I go back to get it. So you, <laughs> I love this for, for a plethora of reasons. I drive a Toyota myself. I'm a Corolla yes. guy. Yes. Okay. Nice. Amazing. Amazing uh, MPG on the highway. Just wonderful. You go to a Toyota dealership in Bristol, Tennessee, which is a big NASCAR town. So it's, I, I can imagine those <laughs> dealerships all over the place. You yes. You show up with a Prius, and you leave with a Tacoma. It's just the, <laughs> not even the fact that there's a radiator leak, not even the fact that like anything else. You leave with a truck. How far is it from Bristol to North Carolina? So the the rest of the drive was like two hours and forty five minutes, uh, and it was it was like it's actually kind of funny. So. We had, I mean, we had this Prius like packed to the brim, and you'd be surprised how much luggage you can fit in the Prius if you put like the back seat down. So I like my golf clubs back, you know, in there, and you know all of our luggage and like kettlebells and stuff. So the Tacoma is obviously you got like more total space, but the the truck bed or whatever it is, there's not a ton of space in there, or, or not the truck bed, the, the whatever you call that, the cabin. There's not there's not a ton of space in there. The most of it's in the bed. So we did like two hours and 45 minutes with some of our stuff in the bed that probably like shouldn't be in the bed. My, <laughs> wife, my wife was like scared to death that one of the kettlebells is going to fly out of the bed and like hit a car behind us. Uh, but like overall, I was like, yeah, this is I, I see why people become truck people. I, I like this Toyota Tacoma a lot. This is we're now we're not doing a, an ad for, for Toyota on your podcast. <laughs> to see if you get some money for this. I do love Toyota. I do love Toyota, so I'm, I'm okay with them getting a free advertisement if they do not pay Toyota, me. Send, send money to Riley. It could be any amount. Send some money to him. Send some money. Or, you know, maybe a brand new car. It's whatever. It's whatever you guys want to 
feel like you can part with. Uh, so wild car trouble on the way there. And I, I, I hate to say that I've also had car trouble at my Toyota. So you get there. How long of a detour did that take? Like how long what was the actual delay? It actually wasn't, it actually wasn't bad. I think it would have been worse if we would have had to have the car towed rather than just like literally rolling into the dealership in Bristol on its very last, you know, breath. Uh, so, so I, I think, it was probably like an hour, hour and a half. To, well, probably like two hours if you consider the times we had to stop on the side of the road. Um, well, you know what? I, I, I'm, you're, you're all finding out live how bad a map I am because uh, <laughs> the initial ETA was 4.30. We didn't arrive till 8.30. So the delay was four hours. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. People have car troubles. This is, this is not, you know, this is life, right? That's actually one of the saddest things in life is fire car trouble. You feel so you feel so hopeless. There's nothing you can do, especially like <laughs> you're not a car guy. I'm not a car guy, so we just we're sitting there, helpless. We can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, I feel like we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and so there could have been a lot of like worse things that were happening to me than you know my radiator springing a hole in it on my Prius. You know what I mean? I, I was like, you know, we were, it was we were frustrated, but then I'll tell you what we did do. We so it really didn't take us too far offline off our trip because we were just we just kept going straight down eighty one south uh, and uh, we so we got the we got the Tacoma and my wife was like I'm starving like I need some I need some like North Carolina barbecue something so it's the 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 kind of line we were on driving takes you right through Asheville we stopped this place called Lula's in Asheville oh my goodness I mean amazing pulled pork brisket we got some of this like spicy coleslaw brunswick stew baked beans i had a cheer wine so i was like you know what all's well that ends well it wasn't the end of the world that we had the car trouble right you, you got to stop in Asheville. it's funny you mentioned Asheville. i actually had one of my better friends now move down from Asheville to lake charles louisiana so what a what a small world that you mentioned Asheville and lula's Yes, great place. Go to Lula's if you're in Asheville. It's a very good barbecue. North Carolina, also a very big state for this show, surprisingly enough. Shout out North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina, I I think people don't realize how large North Carolina is. As someone who went to school in Chapel Hill, and it was like several hours driving to the beach, but it's it's quite a few hours, probably four or five going the other way to western North Carolina, at least to to where we are. Like, it's larger than I thought it was. Shout out North Carolina. Go visit North Carolina. <laughs> visit North Carolina. Yeah. Go send, for it. Send North Carolina. North Carolina's tourism board. Please send Riley <laughs> Oh, man. I'm trying to get commission checks on advertisements that I don't have contracts with. That's amazing. Um, let's talk about North Carolina. So, are you from North Carolina, or did you just go to school in North Carolina? So, I am... Uh, I should answer this question like directly, but I'm, I'm going to give you a convoluted answer. So, well, the, the, the simple one is I did go to school in North Carolina from 2007 to 2011 at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. But uh, so am I from North Carolina? I am not. I was born and raised in California, but my mom's side of the family is is from the South and specifically like has, you know, land out here in Western North Carolina. And that's where my, my mom's mom is from growing up. So I spent a lot of time as a kid in North Carolina. And uh, so it, it does kind of feel like a spiritual home of sorts, you know, for me. Every time I come back here, it's like we got here and, you know, so we got here like late. And obviously we were, 
you know, wanted to unload the luggage and everything. But we got here and we just kind of like stopped and went outside and just like sort of looked around for a half hour. It's like, man, this place is so beautiful. It's just, it's just such a great state. I feel like I hear a lot of things about North Carolina. It has so many different elements to it. It has mountains. It does have a beach on, on the on the eastern side of it. Like it, it has everything you could possibly want as far as weather and climate and scenery. Is it the best place in America? I don't know. I, I, I you know that that's what my vote would be. That. <laughs> I mean, there there are a lot of great places in America, but if if you were like, hey, you can't, you have to pick a state and you can't leave that state for the rest of your life, I would choose North Carolina. I hear so much, so much about it. Three great universities in North Carolina, by the way. I'm sure there's a lot more, but three great ones yeah. um, that are in the national forefront a lot of the time. So good education system too, at least in the secondary level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As a, as a d- diploma holder from UNC Chapel Hill, uh, I'm going to agree with you on that. One, <laughs> Except for that other school that also is blue but a darker blue. I don't like them. <laughs> my mom went to Duke, and oh, my good? grandmother went to Duke. Oh, really? It's actually, yeah, it's actually kind of funny. It's like so. My granddad went to Carolina. My my granddad had four daughters. My mom's the oldest, and his daughters went to Duke, Virginia, Dartmouth, and Washington and Lee. And so I, so I was the oldest of the grandkids and I, you know, so there's like a lot of pressure. It's like, you know, like I was looking at different schools and he was really pushing, like, you should, you should, you know, give, give Chapel Hill a look. And I can, I mean, I still remember the day I, uh, I got my like acceptance email from Carolina. I was like in, in, in an AP gov class checking it. And I just like got the email and just like walked out. I'm like, well, I'm good now. Like I'm going to go celebrate. Uh, so that was, you know, so yeah, so it's, it's funny because they're, there is there are a lot of Chapel Hill grads in our family, um, but there's like a strong Duke contingent too. I, I can't say that I like fully hate Duke for that reason. I know it's a it's a super strong thing, but when you have family that goes there, to- yeah, I mean, I think I, I think at the end of the day, like you got to say like like rivals need each other to exist. Oh, you know, for sure. There's yeah. there's no there's no Duke without North Carolina and and vice versa. And so I think that you know you 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 know. It's funny, like, like everything in life sort of becomes kind of like wrestling, like pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you kind of get it. You get that you have to hate each other and you get the a bit of it has to be scripted because then that makes the rivalry larger, you know? So you, you love beating that team. You love watching them lose. But at the same time, you understand that they're your sort of your, your counterpart in the universe. Oh, I completely agree. I do want to move on to more about you and you spent a lot of years on the Dan Lebetsod show. I was always curious on the transition from being on camera, on a live mic, to now being a producer for several ESPN shows, but working on projects behind the scenes. What has that transition been like for you personally? Yeah, so it's been interesting the last couple of years, actually, because um, coming from the Lebetsod show, from going from Miami to D.C., you know, obviously, like I'll forever have a love for that show, and especially the fan base, really, because I don't know. I, there's there's nothing like the Levitar Show fan base that exists. I, I shouldn't say nothing, but I mean, there are very few fan bases that exist that are that devoted to the show and really everything it produces. Um, you know, it's funny. Like I've been doing this challenge podcast with Billy and you know a few others from that Levitard universe um, of late, and we've, we've actually had some pretty cool guests on. Um, and you just see like the, the people that are 
kind of like they're just always there that, that follow the show and follow, you know, Mystery Crate and everything else, Levitar and Friends Network. And you're like, man, this is, you know, I don't, I don't know that you'd find this in, in very many other places. So, um, so that's all a way of saying that I, I, I love that experience, that time in Miami, getting to know those people, that fan base. But in coming to D.C., it's like you almost it felt like it was, you know, something entirely different, like you were just removed, you know, really just I, the biggest thing was losing the shipping container vibe we had. I mean, I had so much fun in there. Every single day with with Billy and Chris and Roy and Allison and our and our little room back there, where it was just you know we're always cracking jokes, always you know even if things were tense or, or tough for certain days, it's like we all kind of like had each other, and so I miss that camaraderie a lot, you know. And and, and I love my coworkers in DC, but that was like you know in 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 making the transition and then talking to kind of to Eric Ridholm who owns you know Ridholm Projects and is you know kind of the the, the at the head of all these different shows. Um, and, and he's and he's great in, in sort of developing people's careers and kind of, uh, you know, guiding you through that. So for me, it was kind of a process of talking to him and seeing other ways in which I could grow. And so I worked on HQ for a while. Um, and then I sort of moved into a, a development and sort of like special projects role for Eric, which has meant a lot of different things. You know, it's, it's meant at times helping on event production for, um, you know, the Levitard show, like Super Bowl remotes. Sometimes it's things like, you know, figuring out a bunch of tech stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, getting all of our you know, talent equipped with stuff during the pandemic. Or I remember when we switched over, you know, several months ago to premiere in the office, I was sort of the coordinator for you know, the training and various stuff like that. And so that, that's it's been kind of cool because you just get your hands on a lot of different things. You learn a lot of different things. And so, um, it, you know, it's now in the pandemic, it's sort of different where I had a lot to do early on. And now it's, you know, it's just, I think everyone feels like their hands are sort of tied, but what that's done is created an opportunity for me to do things like this challenge podcast with, with, you know, with Billy and Charlie Kravitz and Elizabeth Fearman and, and, uh, and, and also do things like the, um, the stupidity episode with, with Stu and Chris and Dan Stanzik, where we got to interview Tom Brady and Rory McElroy and Jimmy Dunn. And so it's, it's, you know, it's just figuring out different ways to use that time and grow, um, where, I know I'm rambling away from your original question about the professional progress, but that's kind of, you know, how I think about it in terms of the the evolution and progression of where I am now. What is the one project that in your time being a producer that you're most proud of? Mm, That's a great question. Uh, What is the project that I'm the most proud of? Um, You know, this is so funny because I, um, you know, I think the quality of this project is still very good, um, but it just represents it represents kind of what I want to be professionally, and it's the first time I did something like this, so it felt like, uh, you know, sort of like an achievement unlock situation where it's like, okay, I can do this. And it was, um, I don't know if you remember right around the time where um, the Netflix show Making a Murderer was super popular the first time that first season came out. And so we did this uh, parody on that with Greg Cody called Making a Show Killer. <laughs> and I, I, I promise you, I mean, I watched like so the, the idea was to take the trailer and just kind of replicate as much of it as we could with our own references from the Levitar Show universe. So I, I poured over that trailer again and again, you know, just to kind of just to kind of map certain shots and figure out, OK, you know, we need these scenic or establishing shots to use. We need to go out and shoot these, you know, of the Cleveland or of Miami in general. Like what stock footage can we grab? And, you know, talking to Angel Resto, who is the amazing graphics, you know, 
I shouldn't even call him a graphics producer. He's, a, he's the artist that does all the Levitar show stuff, uh, along with you know Dan's brother David. But I talked to Angel about creating a bunch of stuff in the look of, of making a murderer that was all Greg Cody Showkiller. Got some old photos from Greg. So and then you know then we we ended up shooting it, and I was you know a part. I was on camera for it. I had like a role in it. I wrote the entire script for it. So it was it was just a thing where I did I touched every single piece of that production from start to finish. You know doing edits of it and everything like that and so you, you get to the end and you put the product out and you're like wow like there there's no part of that where I, where I feel like i didn't have an influence and so that was you know whatever it was a short little minute minute and a half video that we you know kind of shot and edited produced over time but for me it was like oh man I, like i can do all parts of this and i should try to do these things and so Fast forwarding that to now, like all these you know video podcasts we've done with you know for the challenge with Tom Brady with Tom, with Rory McIlroy, I'm recording all of those. I'm you know cut, video editing all those. You know the audio audio editing still falls on people like you know Chris or Billy, but you know it's it's nice to be able to, to say that you, you you touched every single part of it. <laughs> I remember that. It's such when you first said it, I'm like that's such a weird answer to have as the most like the thing you're most proud of, but. That, that, was, that was really well done. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it, it is an odd answer for sure. I mean, just in general, Greg Cody is just an amazing muse. It's just, he's, you know, people who, who watch the show, you know, know him and love him, uh, for this exact reason. So this isn't news to anybody, but he's just such a, a hilarious, interesting, unique human being that just never fails to produce comedy, no matter the situation, even when he's doing things wrong. You're almost laughing harder that way. So I, I, I love Greg. So it was it was so fun doing this project centered around him. One of my favorite things is always the heart out at the end of every hour. That was yeah. <laughs> just just so incredible. But that's one of the yeah. things I always really respected about the Levitard show is he always kept his people in Miami around. No matter who was on the show, no matter how, how big the show got, it was always focused around the people in Miami. Yeah, I mean that that community is so important to him, you know, and that's and I think that that is probably, you know, one of the big reasons why you have the fan base that you have because you, one, you know, it just it underscores the importance of loyalty, you know, and, it, and I think that that's something that you don't find a lot of places nowadays. So it's like if you're loyal to people from you know where you're from and and you're loyal to people on your show and you're loyal to a community, then that gets rewarded with fans that are also loyal. You said something just a few minutes ago about uh the tom brady interview and i want to i want to plug this podcast i know it's would you if you had the chance to go back and talk to 2007 charlie a freshman at unc and tell him oh yeah one day in 2020 you're going to interview tom brady (laughs) like be a part of a show that has tom brady on it what what would you say to him Uh, you know i i think it's i would have been i would have been shocked for sure i would have been i would have wanted to know more about what is the show I'm doing? You know what I mean? I think, I think probably at that stage, I'm like, Oh wow, I'm a sports center anchor or something. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you're actually on a video podcast with Stu Gotts and it's called stupidity. I would have been very confused. Uh, but, but I think that, um, I think that, uh, uh, it was a very cool moment. And honestly, you know, and all this type of stuff, you know, there's, there's a clear link to my grandfather and the, and the relationships that he has, um, so I'm a, a, just immensely blessed and lucky to have my grandfather in my life. Um, you know, for this one specifically, honest, I'll, I'll tell you that the, the backstory, and this is kind of funny. It was, I saw, you know, there, there are no sports going on or there weren't until recently. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I saw these golf tournaments coming up and I know how much Sue Goss loves golf. I know how much Chris Cody loves golf. Uh, and I just thought, okay, this is interesting. Like I've been doing some of these video pods for the challenge. I know I have the, the kind of the functionality and the setup to put these things out. What if we try to do some, some shows around these golf tournaments? And so then I was just thinking of, you know, my grandfather and, and sort of the relationships he has within the game of golf. And I was like, you know, what would be cool is like, if we could get Dustin Johnson on. So maybe I'll just like see if, if that's not a stretch for my granddad, just, you know, call him and say, Hey, you know, don't want to put you in a bad, in a bad spot at all. But like, if you think Dustin could join, I think it could be cool to build some golf shows around him. So I talked to him. He goes, yeah, you know, I don't know about Dustin, but like, what if I could get you uh, Rory and Brady? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I think I could build a show around that. <laughs> if you got me Rory and Brady, I think I could probably make that happen. And so, you know, I called Stu. He was obviously in on it. He was like, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Um, you know, so, um, so then, you know, we're all sitting in the Zoom call on a Friday night, kind of waiting for my granddad to get off, you know, the golf course because – Tom was out playing a practice round uh, before, you know, the, the thing he played in uh, the, the match champions for charity deal. And so, um, so we were just about to hop off the call and all of a sudden, boom, this, you know, video materializes on zoom and it's my granddad with Tom Brady and you know, the rest is sort of history. But yeah, it was, I mean, Tom's been nothing but great to, to me since I known him. And I know he's probably has no idea what on earth he got himself into, but it was, it was very cool being able to kind of do that. Um, you know, given just the circumstances and everything uh, with him. That is incredible. It's just interesting because, you know, I guess there's no real conventional path to like anything in media nowadays. Uh, so, you know, there are certain people that, that arrive at destinations that are, everyone can recognize as being successful. You know, the, the, you know, like the, the, the part of my takes of the world or like, you know, what Mina Kimes has done on ESPN where you look at that person you're like, Oh wow. Like they, they, you know, They've ascended in the in the lane of you know sort of media personality to like you know a, a really amazing point and so, but I think for a lot of people it's kind of tough to see okay like which route do I take to this and you know should I be you know which side of this should I be on should I be producing should I be you know so I think it's it, it's kind of hard. it's it can be difficult to navigate that sometimes and so having the chance you know especially now given the circumstances to dabble a little bit in things that I hadn't done a lot of before. It's, it's, you know, it's a confidence builder. It's really cool. It's, you get reps, you, you get kind of experience. Um, you feel less, you know, nervous the next time around when you do it. And so um, that's, that's been really cool to experience. And I'm glad that at least it seems like some people have enjoyed it and responded well to it. And so, you know, the hope is that we can just keep finding more opportunities to do that. Uh, I've had a blast on this challenge pod with, with Billy and Charlie and, and Elizabeth. Uh, it's, we just have so much fun every week and, and that's, it's cool to see that kind of turn into something, even if it's like, you know, kind of small right now. The challenge pod can be found on anywhere you can find podcasts, right? Uh, yes. It, uh, we, we have uh, spoken into the, into existence, the title of ESPN's number one challenge podcast. <laughs> uh, that's gone pretty well for us. Uh, but I mean, if you're looking for, you know, you can always, I think you can find it like on pod center on ESPN every week. And then if you go to the Levitard and Friends main network or Mystery Crate uh, feed, you should be able to find it both those places on Monday mornings. Check out that podcast. It's not usually, it's not very often I, I promote other podcasts on my own podcast, but yeah, I'll make an exception for you since you tried to get Toyota in North Carolina <laughs> to give me money. That's what, yeah, so that that's actually, that's my ad buy, is whatever you can get from Toyota and the North Carolina <laughs> Tourism Board, that's going to be payment for the, the, the free promo I just did on your podcast. <laughs> I was just going to tip you 10% off each, but that, that works for me too. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Um, I, I want to 
I want to mess with you a little bit. Uh, you, and so I had this big plan. I'm like, I'm going to ask you about the last dance. You know, you're a UNC guy. Michael Jordan went to UNC, hit that shot in the Superdome beat to beat Georgetown. I figured you'd be pumped up about it. And you didn't even watch it. Like, what, yeah. what was that? What happened? <laughs> what, what's yeah, going on? You know, you're so right to call me out. Hand up. I mean, I, 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 I so we talked a little bit before this because you, you were being a great producer and you're like, hey, here's what to expect. And I was like, ah, just so you know, you might not want to get into too much detail there. Um, I, I, I had something going on that first Sunday night and I cannot forget, or I cannot remember what it was now. And it's probably, you know, wasn't worth skipping the last dance, but so then after I missed those first two, uh, or I, I, I would, I guess I stacked it two episodes a week or whatever it was. So after I missed that first Sunday night, I, uh, I was like, well, I'll just wait till it all comes out and binge it. And then everyone just kept talking about it, talking about it. And I'm like, Oh man, I, I really, I kind of blew it missing the boat on this one. So I'm, I promise you, I will watch it. Of course. I want to see all the Jordan stuff, all the Carolina stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a ton in the way of analysis to offer on the, on the films. I didn't watch yet. They're all available on, I think the ESPN plus subscription. And also they had them, they had the reruns before the actual things on the Sunday. I mean, oh really? Yes. You had like, so I really blew it. <laughs> you I, I could just, I could just done that. <laughs> you blew it every single week for five weeks in a row. Because wow. because even on the last Sunday they had an all day marathon of you can literally binge it with commercials for ten yeah. hours. Definitely miss the vote on that. <laughs> it's okay though. You were swapping out Toyotas at a random That's right. dealership in, That's right. yeah. in Tennessee. That's right. uh, no, I was so excited to get a UNC guy's perspective because I'd had conversations with my Chicago friends. It's like yeah, Jordan, whatever. It's a big deal. I was wanting to talk to a UNC individual about Michael <laughs> Jordan's impact about bat, like on basketball in North Carolina and just got nothing. Well, l- let me, let me offer this. And this is, this is a last dance conversation. You won't find anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'll say this on the behalf of North Carolina athletics, because obviously growing up in California, but having family in North Carolina, you, you know, you know of, North Carolina basketball. I mean, you could live anywhere and know of North Carolina basketball if you are a sports fan. Um, so I always kind of, you know, I like those teams. I had an affinity for those teams. But when I got to school in North Carolina, the, the thing that I truly fell in love with was North Carolina football. And boy, did that break my heart so many different times. Um, but the, this last season, and, you know, obviously I want, I want you know, First and foremost, everyone's health to be to be to be thought of as as we are in a global pandemic. But boy, do I hope that this college football season can go off in some way, shape, or form because North Carolina, Mac Brown is building a machine down there, and Sam Howe is one of the best true freshman quarterbacks I've seen in a long time. So I'm uh, I, <laughs> that's my last dance analysis. Is everybody watch <laughs> North Carolina football? Uh, we're really good. We're going to be really good. It really is a last dance conversation. You're not going to hear anywhere else other than <laughs> if anyone cares. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, man. No, yeah. Sam, Sam yeah. Howe is my sleeper Heisman pick. I, you know what? I tried to find odds on him this last year. Uh, shockingly, couldn't find odds on Sam Howe for Heisman this last year. You can definitely find it this year. But, I mean, the guy, if you look at like his passing numbers, I'm pretty sure he was up there – on a true freshman basis, he, he broke, he broke, uh, was it the single season passing touchdown record? I don't know. I mean, he, I, he, he might've, he, I think what he does, he owns a lot of those 
true freshman records and then just the overall freshman because then you're competing with guys like I think Trevor Lawrence maybe or I don't know if Jameis did as a true freshman, whatever it is, but there are a few guys that might be above him or around him. But, I mean, he he was – you know, he came in there. He won that first game. I was at that game against South Carolina in the season opener. And I've traveled for so many Carolina football games. We lose. Everyone's sad the rest of the day. And it goes home sad. And we finally came back and won a game. He won that game in the fourth quarter. And I was like, this is this, this changes everything. We're going to be a football program. I'll never forget. Um, like I said, one of my closer friends goes to uh, UNC in Chapel Hill. And he was at the North Carolina Clemson game this year. Oh, and it was on my birthday. I, LSU had a bye week, so I was heading over to Houston, Texas to watch Louisiana Tech and Rice, which was just okay. a, a barn burner of a game. Overtime performance, wonderful game. The, the best game that you will never remember because no one watched it because it was <laughs> 0-2 Rice. Anyways, I was watching it on the television in the sports bar we had for lunch, and I was just rooting so hard because I just don't like Clemson for a plethora of reasons. And North Carolina almost pulled that thing off. And it's always Clemson, it seems like, on the national stage that just ruins North Carolina's hopes. Yeah, I mean, that was – but I'll say this. I watched that game, and, and I came away so proud of that team. I mean, you know, that – I mean, Clemson's defense – I mean, obviously, Clemson has talent everywhere. So, no matter if their defense or their offense is up or down this season, you know, they're you're going to they're gonna be tough to play, obviously. I'm not shocking anyone by saying that. But I think that, you know – the way that they still managed to score against that defense and the way our defense played w- was just amazing. And, and it came down to two point conversion. And I also, I love that they went for it, you know, just go for it. And I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen in overtime, but I, you know, maybe not the right play call. People criticize that, you know, since, since then. But uh, I think, I think that's another person you probably got to give a ton of props to in addition to Sam Howell and Mac Brown is, is Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator there, because he really, found a way to change some of the stuff that he did before and really, you know, tailor it to what Sam does best. And, uh, and, and I just think it's, it's going to be a great mentor for Sam over the next, hopefully we have Sam for two more years. And uh, I imagine he'll go, he'll go pro after three. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, that team was a ton of fun to watch. That Clemson game was, a, you know, I'm really proud of the team, you know, for just for hanging with Clemson the way they did. And I think, I think, you know, the tides could turn in the next couple of years where we're winning those sort of games. Two things before we move on. One, great decision to run the two-point conversion because I don't think North Carolina could have hung with Clemson in overtime, so why not win Mm. the game right there? And two, uh, LSU took care of Clemson in the national title game for you, so we're good. That's right. We're all good. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I can't wait to go to LSU. I'm probably going there for my Masters. I'm really excited about it. Amazing, man. Congrats on that. Well, I guess I shouldn't congratulate you yet. That's like bad luck. I'll I'll knock out whatever here. But best of luck to you. I I, I hope you (laughs) – I have to get my undergrad at full sale first, and then we'll move on. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. May of 21. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, but go Tigers. National champions, by the way. Never forget. What a time. I didn't sleep that entire night, by the way. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I was just blown away by how good Joe Burrow was, like down the stretch run especially. Like, in, in, you know, gutting out the win against Alabama. And, uh, I mean, you know. I'll be, I'll be going to be very curious to see what type of NFL quarterback he is. Cause I just feel like I have no idea how to evaluate a, a, a you know, a transition from college to pro on the quarterback level at all now, because you, you see guys go where you're like, Oh, that person's going to be amazing. And they're terrible. And then you see the, the flip of that all the time. But you know, it seems like Burrow's got all the tools to be a very, very good NFL player. That sounded just as good as any other paid professional analyst. 
because no one knows. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I'm a notorious <laughs> Joe Burrow um, pessimist. I just, I just never expect Joe Burrow to do good things, and then he goes 15 and 0 and wins the Heisman, does all this stuff. So I don't really know how it goes, but I hope he hope he does well in the NFL with the Bengals. Ah, yeah, well in the yeah. NFL with the Bengals in one sentence. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if anyone can do it, it's Joe Burrow, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> one one final thing I, I want to ask. So you moved from Miami to DC. Backtracking a little bit, what was the mm-hmm. the biggest difference from going to a city, uh, coming from a city like Miami to Washington DC? Uh, uh, Miami was wild. I mean, I, I loved it. I had so much fun there. Um, but it was uh, – you're the way I describe it to people is like you feel like you're living on someone else's spring break. And I think that was probably specific to where I lived. Like I lived on Miami Beach like almost – you know, just on the other side of you know the little strip, the, the island that Miami Beach is from the studio. So I would just – every morning I'd wake up and bike from – I think it's 10th and was it 10th and West or whatever that was over there, 10th and West to, um, to, you know, 10th and ocean where the Clevelander is. Uh, and so, so when, when you're on the beach and you're in that area, it really is like a nonstop party. So, you know, there, there were times where I'd be biking to work and getting there, you know, for an early, you know, I get, they had the local hour was 9am, I guess. So, and we were in kind of working on stuff before that. So, you're biking over there in the six, 7am ish range and people are, walking out of you know clubs or bars from the night before you're like oh this is a very i'm on a very different timeline than else is here. <laughs> uh so i mean i loved it but it probably wouldn't have been my pace forever unless unless you move to somewhere else in south florida which i think a lot of the people on the show depending on you know where they're at with families and things like that they do uh and so um but DC, I, I have loved DC so, so, so much. I mean it's you know i met my wife in dc i met some of my best friends in dc um, that city's been very, very good to me. So we're, we're, we are probably moving on in the next year because my wife's applying to, uh, some physician assistant grad programs. And so we'll kind of figure out where she's going to go and then go there. Um, but, but I, I will miss DC a lot because it's just been, it's such a special city. Isn't Audi field just one of the most beautiful things you've seen? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, it's funny because I, you know, there were, I know there were like early renderings of Audi Field that were supposed to be like more grandiose and it's going to be like this, you know, and, and then the, the reality of construction costs set in and what was doable and they built the stadium. They did. But I, I love Audi Field. I think it's, you know, especially at the MLS level, um, the sight lines are great. The supporters section uh, where I had season tickets for two seasons uh, is awesome. Uh, so yeah, I think that, you know, there, there are always things you can work out every stadium. I mean, the concession concessions can get slow at times. And, you know, there's like a, a glare over the top of the stadium that made televising games at certain times difficult. Um, but I think the stadium itself to, to watch in person, it was fantastic. Charlie, I'm convinced that if you and me would have grown up together, we would have been best friends with the, <laughs> with the, the love for soccer that we have, the love for college football and just the overall love for sports. And apparently Toyota, I think we would have been best. <laughs> yeah, we could have, you know, we could have got a bunch of like model Toyota cars, and, you know, <laughs> rolled them around the front yard or something like that. You know, two peas in a pot. <laughs> uh, just as long as we don't have to work on them or fix anything yeah, that goes that's wrong. Right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's incredible. Uh, 
I know you have things you have to do today. I want to get you out on the lightning round, five to seven random questions. Uh, okay. Answer in 10 seconds or less. All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, who is the funniest person off microphone and off camera in the Dan Lebetard studio? Billy Gill. No hesitation? No hesitation. Uh, what's, thing, what's three things you remember about kindergarten? Oh, um, I remember the carpet we all sat on for story time. Uh, I remember uh, getting in trouble and, and having something, having a, a Christmas gift taken away from me. That was like a, a Dodgers uniform when we got detention. Uh, and that was unfair. And I've, I've, you know, protested that to my mom many times since but this is a lightning round. So I won't, I won't go too far on that. Uh, and what's the third thing I remember from kindergarten? Um, I remember, I remember the, the, the little jungle gym they had, we used to climb on that and probably do dangerous things on that. But those are probably three of my best kindergarten memories. Nah, it was the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, roughly for you in kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. Rules didn't matter. And safety precautions (laughs) didn't exist yet. Uh, what's your favorite smell in the whole entire world? Ooh. I think, um, you know, after it rains on like blacktop, like oh. asphalt or something like that, yeah. I love that smell. That is, that is good. It's very unique. Yes. It's very it's a unique. It's smell, but it's nice. I like that smell. Right. And it's such a rare occasion. You always find yourself in a weird spot when you smell it. It's, but you remember it. You, you remember, remember it. it. It's great. <laughs> uh, what is one food you cannot bring yourself to eat? N- I've never been a fan of bananas. Really? I say apparently, apparently I was a, I loved eating bananas when I was an infant. And then I, I just, I just, I just had so many of them that I just, I, my body just rejected it. And I, I used to, my mom, I, w- I used to not even let her tie my shoes. If she touched a banana, I told her she had banana hands. She can do it. <laughs> Where do you get your potassium from? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I get my potassium from Gatorade, which is now a sponsor of this podcast. Now, you know, actually is, you want to, you want to plug some, let's plug some more stuff, Riley. Okay, uh, go ahead. Do you drink body armor? I have before. Yes. It's very good. Love body armor. Love body armor. It's a great source of potassium. Anyway, I digress. Okay. That's good. <laughs> okay. It's not, not direction. I thought we'd go on that, but okay. Um, three famous people living or dead, you would invite to your dinner party. Ooh. Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you one that I've been thinking about a lot recently and I'll film another two. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was, we do not give Wayne Gretzky enough credit for being as dominant as he was in the sport that he was for as long as he was. And also just being very chill and low key about it now. Uh, so Wayne Gretzky's one, uh, Two other people, I feel like I need to have someone, you know, a non-sportsy answer here, but I'm just failing, trying and failing. Um, let's, let's say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invite Sam Howell to this dinner party. <laughs> why not? Need some, need some fresh blood, need some young blood. Uh, and then I'm going to invite... Who's my last? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sports it all the way out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tiger Woods because I think Tiger is a is a is an amazingly complex individual, and I think that um, 
I think that that there's more there that then there's more underneath the surface of just all the things he's been through. There'd be, I think it'd be really interesting to talk to him about his life and, and, and just to, to parse through all that. And I'll, and I'm assuming at this dinner party, he's going to be very open and honest with me about everything he's gone through. So I'm going to give Tiger the invite too. Can we get a 10 part documentary on him, please? Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I mean, if you, if you'd be willing to do it, uh, that would be amazing. I mean, you already have your foot in the door with ESPN. <laughs> let's see what i can do yeah, give me give me a few more years give me some time <laughs> uh, that's good i'm excited for the the lance armstrong documentary coming out in the summer yeah it's gonna be awesome all the documentaries yeah. in 2020 it's a good time it's a great time for a year they're going to make documentaries about a lot of documentaries happening in this year so it, it's it's a good time uh two, two more for you uh favorite kind of sandwich Oh, uh, gotta be pulled pork sandwich. Pulled gotta pork. be pulled pork sandwich with with a little slaw on it. Although I'll tell you what, my wife has this new recipe for buffalo pulled chicken sandwich with like a slice of pepper jack cheese on top of it that she makes in the instant pot, and that's near the top of the list. That's a very good sandwich. I'd say one of those two. Okay. Do you eat it with the hamburger bun or the the typical sandwich bun or the bread? Uh, like a hamburger bun, like a potato bun. Okay. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. That is yeah. good stuff. Uh, last one. It's the one we end every single interview with. If you could be an Olympic athlete in what sport would you compete in? Let's take out basketball and soccer. Team handball. No question. Really? That was very quick. Team handball would be such a blast. I actually, when, when the, the last time they had the Summer Olympics, a buddy of mine who I went to college with, who was also living in D.C. at the time, found this local handball club in D.C., and just cold emailed them was like, Hey, like, do you allow people to come out? They're like, absolutely come out. So we did that for about three weeks and it was so much fun. That game's awesome. Although it's, it, it breaks your, your, this is, this is a tongue twister. It breaks your basketball brain because you can, in, in the sport, you can take three steps. The maximum amount of steps you can take for shooting is three. Uh, and obviously in basketball, it's two. The third is a travel. So when you're like loading up to shoot, you're, you're, you're thinking you're like, okay, I'm going to take X amount of steps and then shoot. But your, your body every time after your second, it's like, shoot now, shoot now. And you're like, no, 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 this is a different game. We can, we can take another step. Uh, so that was a bit tough to get used to. Uh, but that, that sport is a blast. Okay. That's wow. Did not expect that quick of answer. <laughs> no one's ever answered that quick in the history of this podcast. <laughs> About that question. It's something I've been thinking about for years, Riley. So I'm glad you asked it. I'm so happy you were prepared. Uh, man, I thank you so much for making time. This is so much course, better man. than what happened three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, this is uh, love spending the time with you. Uh, glad to see you know you're just you're on your way, man. It's really cool to see all the work you're doing and uh, keep it up. Keep just keep keep doing stuff. Keep trying stuff. Keep making mistakes. Keep learning from them. You invested so much in me. I sent you videos and, and, and articles that I've written and, and podcasts that I've done. And you just helped me out along the way, man. And I would not be here without you. I just didn't feel, um, I didn't feel right if I didn't have you back on and tell you how much I appreciated that on the air so everyone can hear. But uh, <laughs> just as a, as, as a gesture to you for thank you for taking the time. I didn't want you to feel like I wasted that time. No, no, not at all, man. Always, always love talking to you, man, and and happy to do all that. Where can people find you on the internet, Charlie? Uh, they can find me my so my Twitter handle is 
at Charlie underscore Hume. My last name is spelled H-U-L-M as in Michael E. Uh, but on Instagram, it's just at Charlie Hume. Uh, and if you want to see those interviews we talked about, the all the challenge ones and you know the, the Brady, the McElroy, and then uh, a guy named Jimmy Dunn, who's an amazing storyteller, who is the president of Seminole Golf Club, where they hosted one of these charity matches recently. Those are all on my, on my IGTV page. So, yeah, that's at Charlie Hume on Instagram. If you want to go check it out. That's where you can find them. Thank you so much, man. For Charlie Hume, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares.